Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in High Fidelity. Welcome to the Along Came a Writer Network. Opinions expressed in our shows do not necessarily reflect those of the network. Along Came a Writer Blog Talk Radio Network. Today, I'm interviewing a friend of mine uh, who's also a Christian author, and her name is Jessica White. Now, there are a lot of Jessica White authors, so uh, Jessica, what's your link? Oh, I see it. Uh, Amazon or? Website, author Jessica White. The wordpress.com so on um, you you need to look for author jessica white because there are <laughs> others and i'm not sure what they write um but jessica lives here in fort worth texas uh i'm in in a suburb of fort worth uh with her husband and two daughters she's a prayer warrior which is wonderful who loves to encourage and teach others how to create safe places for the hurting and lost. When she's not writing, she can be found curled up with a good book or helping fellow writers grow in their craft. She has the same kind of uh, passion that I do to help other writers, uh, Christian authors especially, grow in their craft. And do you want your email address given out, Jessica? That's fine too. I love getting reader uh, feedback and questions. So. Okay. Uh, it's author Jessica White, all one word, J E S S I C A W H I T E at gmail.com. And as she just said, she does give feedback to people. And so if you want to uh, send her an email, she will uh, connect with you. And then uh, she also has what is going on? The, the thing just shut down. I think. I don't know. Are you there, Jessica? Yes, I'm still here. Well, I wonder why my studio went away. Let me see if we're still uh, on real quick. I would think we're still on. Okay, there it is. Wow. And it stayed the same, so I shouldn't have gotten upset. When everything (laughs) disappears from your screen, it makes you get uh, a little worried. Uh, Let's first talk about how you got into writing Christian fiction. It was actually kind of by accident. I really didn't realize there was another, a separate genre for Christian fiction. I was, I've was i always been an avid reader, and I've read books like Christie, which was one of the first books I ever really read that had like a really strong Christian pre- God presence in it. And I loved yeah. books like that, but I just assumed they were regular fiction. And um, 
my library actually had a separate section. And so when my daughter was young and we were homeschooling and I was browsing, I came across this whole section called Christian fiction. And I was like, oh, that's, you know, that's what I, that's what I want to write, you know, and I, I've always dabbled in writing. Um, but I didn't really get serious about it until I was doing my senior capstone paper and I was in the middle of this huge academic you know, stress thing, and I'm like, I need something creative to write. So I pulled out an old story, and I started working on it. And that story took about a year and a half to get to something that was what we probably consider now first draft. <laughs> I started from the beginning. Of the <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, and then from that, was, I finished in July, and I actually made a book copy, and I sent it out to a bunch of beta readers, and they're like, honey, this is a first draft. Luckily, I do a lot of writers, so <laughs> they, they were nice to me. And between July and September, I really learned how to write a book, and I got rid of all the backstory and, you know, added some POV issues and cleaned it all up and came out with a product that I could actually, you know, be proud to put my name behind. And that became Survival right. Stillness, which is the first in this series. So. Oh, yeah. All of us have different stories, and I'm, uh, I'm like you, I... I wrote all my life. I didn't know people didn't write until I married a man who didn't like didn't read or write. He wasn't illiterate. He just didn't like to read and he never wrote. But uh that's a wonderful that's a wonderful story, Jessica. I love how God moved in your life. Uh what inspired your series, The Healing Seasons? Now these are the books that I'm the most familiar with. Yes. This is the series that like it honestly I was gonna write the one book. <laughs> And um, I I wrote the book the first way. It was chronological from the time her mother died until the time they reached the foothills of Montana. And then I kind of got stuck in the story of, like, how does it end? And I realized that everything that happened before they got to Montana was all backstory. That's, that was my first draft that I gave out to everybody. And so I went back, back and rewrote it from that point, to the, and, and I created a storyline for it. And mm-hmm. so... I found that when they got to Montana, the thing that she needed most was healing. She needed healing from the traumas that had happened to her. And then as the other characters developed, I realized they all needed healing too. <laughs> and, uh, and I realized every single character had something in them that needs God, only God could heal. And so that's how uh-huh. the healing um, part of the, the series title. Seasons actually came because I realized that book was set in the winter, and I knew I was going to have a book where they went back home um, for her summer gala debut. And so I had summer and I had winter, and I was like, well, I can create a trilogy, but that's only three seasons, and so I decided to make it a four-book series. And I now finally know what book four is going to have in it, so that started to plan in my head. And I'm really confident that this is going to be the healing seasons, all four seasons, and everybody's going to get healing really one healer wow. in each book. So the first book is Abigail. The second book is really Dr. Mason's healing. Book three is going to be Samuel's and book four is going to be Matthew's healing. And so every, cool. every, everyone has kind cool. of a character that heals, that God heals in it. Oh, I love that. I love that. Uh, now this, you just mentioned that it was in Montana, uh, but in the 1920s, how did you pick the time period mm-hmm. And the setting for this series. Well, like I said, originally it was chronological from her mother's death, which happened in the pandemic of 1918, the flu pandemic. And Uh by the time I realized what had happened, 
it was 1920 when they got to Montana. So that it was kind of happenstance, but I think God really did it for a reason because the 1920s really was this period where wealth was magnified and that individuality was you know, kind of like today, it was kind of a glorified thing instead of being uh-huh. community centered and they became more individual centered. And so this, uh-huh. the, the themes in this series really have to do with things like being still before God is the first book. You know, that stillness before God is really kind of an individual thing. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how much work, uh, research and Jessica? Well, we've lost Jessica for the moment. I'm going to try to get her back on. Okay. Okay, I will, I'll, oh, there she is. She's, she's back. Can you hear me? All righty. Now, now <laughs> you're back. For some reason, your call yeah, dropped. I've never. It dropped. Yeah. I've never said call failed. Yeah, I've like, never had that happen <laughs> on a show before. But okay. Um, uh, we were at the. Where was I at my? What kind of research did you have to do for this? So, yeah, as far as the setting went, that's where they ended up, and it ended up being in the 1920s. And the research I ended up having to do has been actually quite extensive, uh, much more than I'd planned. Uh, the location yeah. is kind of where modern Seely Lake is, is, is where it's kind of located, but it's a completely fictitious town. So I kind of used their setting, uh, like what the things look like there, and there are some wonderful online um like YouTube videos of hikes through the area and things like that. So I can really see what it looks like on the ground. Um, and so I used a lot of that, a lot of uh, historical first-hand accounts of what plants grew there and things like that. All the plants in the book are true to the area, um, and I've pulled them all out of text. So just things like that. I pulled out, like the silver lining of that is actually from that area, what they did. And I just had to kind of learn each little piece of Yeah. Here. Oh, yeah. I love when I start doing research for a book, I find like 10 times as much stuff as I can use in the book, you know. Oh, yeah. And I used to, <laughs> I used to, before, <laughs> before we had as much on the Internet, um, there were videos that came out of areas. And I would go to the mm-hmm. library and check out a video of where I, where I was going to set my book. And I could see it, you know, and and feel like you were there. So, um, the the people in your stories have very diverse uh, faith. Uh, mm-hmm. What made you decide to write a book that explores different Christian denominations? Well, it's actually my own kind of touch on things. I was the kid. My parents just threw me on whatever church bus came by, so I went to pretty much every denomination that's out there at some point. Um, When I got to be about 13, I really wanted to, I was really interested in the decastled nuns who are completely cloistered and they only pray for the outside world. They take in prayer requests and they they do, they pray. 
Um, and so I explored Catholicism very deeply for about 18 months. Realized I couldn't quite align my my biblical understandings with with catechism, and and so I have a really strong respect for the faith, and so that that's where uh-huh. a lot of the doctrine in the book comes from. But my other Protestant side is 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 also you know I have a very diverse background there. So like in this book, I had a lot of fun creating the Wilson family. They're going to be Quakers, and I really think they're going to get their own short story because <laughs> I really love these. Books. Yeah. Um, I fell in love with them, and I'm like, they're going to get their own little book someday because <laughs> they, they were Quakers who went and fight in the war, in the Great War, and and what happened to them. Um, that was kind of one of the surprising little side effects of this writing this book. So, um, but there's, yeah. there's a lot of just kind of gathered together. The Protestants gathered together at Brother Martin's, and the Catholics have a church in town. And there's kind of these two: the foothill people and then the town folk. And kind of the conflicts and stuff that come up with that as well. So. Okay. Now, the first the first book in your series is uh, Bound by Brokenness. Is that right? No, that's the second book. That's the that's second, second Surviving book. The stillness the okay. First the first book. one was Surviving the Stillness, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Uh, but on, in Bound by Brokenness, it opens with a scene of Dr. Matthias and his in his in-laws' home, waiting for the birth of his son. Why did you put this piece of backstory into the book? One of the big things I got from when I wrote feedback I got from readers from Surviving the Stillness was they wanted to know more about Helen, his wife, who died before the books began. She actually died ten years before the books began, and um, but he is crippled by his grief um, from her death. And uh, I wanted readers to see a picture of him and Helen and before, you know, when they were first married, the love he had for her, the kind of relationship that they had, and the intimacy of his faith, his trust in God to take care of her while he was still trying to finish his internship as a surgeon. And because his faith is broken when the story begins. But there's also a little piece of backstory that Helen was assaulted right before they got married. And in fact, and, you know, from all the point of view, um, it was kind of the instigating factor of rushing their marriage. They were going to wait until they finished school, but they didn't. And that will come out more in book four. But, um, but people needed to know that, you know, he loved her so much that she, he didn't even know if his son was his own. And that, you know, but it, because it was Helen's son, it was his son no matter what. And um, yeah. just that you can't get that love when you're in the grief as much, you know, when he's trying to avoid remembering her. And so I really wanted that yeah. picture before the story began. Well, that that's a real good use for a, a prologue in a book. Uh, my my McKenna's daughter books had the prologue that was 18 years before the book in book mm-hmm. one and book two because there was an important event that happened on the wagon train when when they were born. And mm-hmm. it had strong, uh, it, it really strongly affected their story when, when we be- began their story when they were 18 years old. And so, yeah, uh, 
a lot of people, they'll say, well, why write a prologue? Nobody reads prologues. Well, if they don't read prologues, they're going to miss a lot. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Because sometimes I, I, I really struggled with it. Yeah. Because I know yeah. people don't read well, it, but I thought, you know, it's necessary. There are people that will read everything from the beginning to the ending of the book, including anything that's at the back, anything that's at the front. Uh, so this thing that people don't read prologues is wrong because I have people who contact me about my books and tell me how their pro my prologue affected them. So whoever's telling you that's somebody who just kind of skip reads. <laughs> uh, Abigail Morgan is the central character in, is it in the whole series that she's a in central the character? Series. It really is her story. Yeah, it really is her story. Okay. Um, so how does she grow through uh, bound by brokenness? Okay. Bound by brokenness, the two POV characters, point of view characters, are Dr. Mason and the little brother Samuel. She's working for Dr. Mason in book two, and they're out on the circuit together. And you really get to see that she's kind of, her physical healing is still in, still in progress. But book two is really more about her kind of coming into her own identity. Um, and it's it's kind of a secondary theme in this book, but you get to see her really come out, like what her strengths are come out in this book. And those strengths are going to uh -huh. be what allows her to go home in book three and what she's trying to hold on to when she gets thrust back into high society again. Um, and so I really... I didn't want to lose her completely in this book, but you get to see some of the struggles and some of the questions that she had in book one that she didn't have answers for. She's still kind of wrestling with. She's getting answers. She's getting a little bit of kind of trying to make those decisions in life. And so book, you know, book three will be her going home, and book four will be her kind of the outcome of all of this put together and how she approaches the next big hurdle God's going to throw at her. And uh, it's going to be, I can't wait to write book four, actually. I, 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 <laughs> I really want to rush writing book three so I can get to book four because the ideas that God has put on my heart for book four, I'm like, oh, that's a heart stopper. You know? <laughs> uh, well, with my first book series, there were four books. And uh, well, when I wrote book one, it was a standalone. I had no idea I was going to write two, three, and four. But readers kept asking, well, what happened to this character and what happened to this character? And my editor, when I met her at conference, she said, yes, we need to know those things. Write me proposals. Mm -hmm. And so I did. And actually, <laughs> by the time I got, while I was writing book three, I was so sick of those characters. <laughs> I was so tired of that town. I mean, it just may be me, but I, I thought, how in the world Am I going to get through four books? But, you know, book three ended up being a really, really interesting book. And then I was mm -hmm. glad to write book four. But, you know, I, I was just, I was just, it was fairly early in my writing career, you know. Uh, but anyway, mm -hmm. uh, what's next for you as a writer? 
Well, my goal is to actually have book three out next summer. Um, it's it's uh-huh. obviously summer gala, so that I wanted to get it out for the summer for, for my readers. And I already have 30,000 words on it written, and I think that's what I'm going to start working on next in your critique group. Um, <laughs> so, uh-huh. um, and uh, so I really feel, though, that, like, book two is kind of that, that – that, opens the door for Dr. Mason and Samuel to have a story and book three is going to be, I actually even have a title for book three, it's called Spelling the Darkness but it really is going to shine light into the whole situation for Abigail and show what God has been really designing for her um, this entire time. Uh But it's, it's through Matthew's point of view and her little brother's point of view and to see her come into her own um, and to, to make those, those the hard decisions that she's been kind of struggling with the first two books is going to be such a delight to write. And then book four is, you know, after she's found that, it's her point of view, seeing the next hurdle ahead. Um, and I really want to tell it, but I'm not going to spoil it for my readers. So with you, I will shut up. <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't want to give away any anything. It'll yeah. ruin it for the readers. Uh, be, but what what plans do you have, or, or beyond these four books? Do you have any plans yet beyond these four books? I do. <laughs> I do have another series started. A first book written for another series. Um, it's contemporary romance. I'm switching from historical to contemporary for a while, at least. Um, I feel like I've gotten in over my head with historical research and just need to come up for some air for a while. Um, and uh, so it's a contemporary romance with a little bit of suspense, and it's based on the Greek gods. And they all, I, I, I loved the Percy Jackson series, and I loved the kind of the archetype-ness of Greek gods. And so I thought, what if they were real people? Because we live in a society now where we're kind of self-centered, we're self, like our worlds are all about us. And that's kind of like what the Greek gods were like. They were all about them. <laughs> Everything was about them. And so I thought, you know, if I could put their personalities and their flaws into real people and then have them encounter the living God, how would he have changed some of the situations that they're in and some of the problems that they face? You know, how would he uh-huh. change that? And so that kind yeah. of was the premise of the whole series. And I have about four or five books in that series plotted. I don't know if a publisher will want to do that many, but I definitely uh-huh. have the first one written, and it's out there being pitched to publishers. And then we'll see cool. where it goes from there. Well, you know, you know that I write a lot of historical because publishers have bought more historical from me than contemporary. I've been published in contemporary several times, but this then. What I am editing right now, almost at the end of editing the the manuscript, is a contemporary that's a total, total departure from anything I've ever written before. So I know that feeling of jumping into a new uh, because it's even it's even very different from my other contemporaries and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love it. You know, I really loved it. Um, uh, it was a stretch. Uh, it stretched me as a, a writer and and that kind of thing. But uh, as I've gone through it, this final edit, I'm like, well, hey, I like this. I like this. 
when I started out writing it, I thought, this is just fluff. This is just fluff. I don't like writing fluff. But then as <laughs> we went back through things and as we went farther, you know, God began to drop things in that didn't have anything to do with fluff. Um, you are also, you're also very busy involved with other kind of writing things because uh, yes don't you do some things online and all that kind of stuff i do i am an admin for 10 minute novelist which has over 10,000 members now um and so we are an international writing group and it's not christian based but it's, it's a broad market based but there are a lot of christian writers and in the group and so you know when we do genre chats on faith-based writing i usually read those <laughs> Um, I really love reaching out to other writers and helping them, you know, bringing them up behind me, especially, I I kind of feel like any craft, you know, you mentor to me and I mentor to people who are a little bit less, you know, more newbie phase and early writing phase that need to learn how to write that first story. And so Uh um, I also write the sub-challenge for 10-minute novelist called 365 uh, Writing Club, which is a challenge to write every day, set a writing goal for every day. And whether it's 100 words or 1,000 words, it doesn't really matter. I think my goal for this year is 500 words a day, which is less than I need to be writing. But it, it makes sure that I'm not neglecting my writing life. And for new writers, it's yeah. really important because they treat it like a hobby and they, you know, might write one day a week. And they don't really develop a habit until they never finish a story. And so that's my yeah. challenge is to help finish, finish their set goals and finish them. And um, that's what yeah. we do in 365. Yeah. So. That kind of thing is lots of fun, isn't it? For, for to have new writers and you are able to, that you're able to get to the aha moment in them. You know, because exactly. when I I teach when I teach the writing the workshops, you know, the dynamic writing workshops, the last one was it the last the last one? You know, we had this guy from Egypt in there, and he was so different from anyone I had ever uh, uh, mentored, and when when he got that aha moment. Then he that he knew what he could do as a writer because of what we did, and uh, I love that. I love I love pouring into other writers. I just it floats my boat, you know. <laughs> it is what it's what I really love. Well, Jessica, I'm going to ask you two or three questions just for fun. Do okay. you like to go to the movies? In a theater or at, watch movies at home on TV? At home. <laughs> at home, definitely. Oh. I am a hobbit at heart. <laughs> okay. Do you like um, dark chocolate, white chocolate, or milk chocolate? I like milk chocolate. Although those dark chocolate things oh. you have on your table are really good. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's also milk chocolate on the table. I do. In the other little... Those, those little caramel things with the dark chocolate in the middle is really good. <laughs> and, okay, uh, do you like it with nuts or without nuts? Without. Okay, okay. We only have about a minute, 
and I want to be sure mm-hmm. that the listeners grab your pens and and pads if you didn't have them at the beginning of the show. You can email Jessica at author a u Jessica J E S S I C A White W H I T E, but that's all one word at gmail dot com. She has a website that is author Jessica White dot WordPress dot com. And did you say you have an author page on Amazon? I do. Um, it's a little harder to reach, but it's it's Amazon dot com like normal with a forward slash Jessica slash White uh, slash E slash and then it's B zero seven six J J Z E three and it's kind of a bit weird. But if you look me up by my title, because I'm the you'll find me the atheist because I'm the only title. Okay, only yes, that title. The title of the Surviving the Stillness is up now, right? And then yes. and pretty soon, Bound by Brokenness will be up. Well, yes, Jessica, I want to thank you. Oh, okay, Saturday. Uh, I want to thank you for being on my show with me today and uh, blessings on your writing. Thank you, Lena. 